0: You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at Women. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 354. I'm your host, Noelle Tar of Coconuts and kettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I'm here with my co-host, author, Harvard researcher. Can I say that? <laughs> Harvard researcher, PhD, founder of PaleoForWomen.com. Steph the Stephanie Ruper and we're going to be talking about some interesting things today including a question from the voice of the people. Who remembers the voice of the people? They've they've made an appearance again. They want to talk about calorie counts on nutrition labels. We're also going to be talking about breastfeeding and lack of libido and sex, uh, non-negotiable food choices and feeding babies. Before we get into the fun, if you are active or follow a whole foods diet, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. And you can take it from me, somebody who did not think about it for a very long time. And I was always very dizzy and fatigued on workout days. Like, why? Why did you do that, Noelle, to yourself? Electrolytes are important because water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes, including sodium, magnesium, and potassium. And you lose electrolytes when you sweat. So when you're working out, um, whether no matter what it is, when you're sweating, you are losing your electrolytes. And also we lose it when we go to the bathroom. So these electrolytes, they have to be replaced through diet and supplementation. And if you're eating a whole foods diet, which is naturally low in sodium, you can be chronically deficient in electrolytes. So that can show up as dizziness, seeing stars when you stand up on workout days. That was me. Muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue and sleep disturbances. I absolutely love Element. They make grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementations. I have it with some branched-chain amino acids after my workout now, and it's made such a huge difference. You can take... All you do is they're like, they come in these little packets that are travel friendly. They actually have now a little tab that you can easily tear it open. You mix it up with about 16 ounces of water. I like to add a lot of ice to mine and sip on it. There is absolutely no sugar or gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo friendly. They have a lot of good flavors. I'm moving now towards citrus and raspberry as we head into some of the colder months. They also have some really interesting like spicy ones like habanero, lime or lemon mango something like that all very good and it keeps it fun and interesting um, I've been using it regularly now on workout days I have experimented with taking it whenever I just feel like headachey or drained so say we spent a lot of time outside or we went to a pumpkin patch we we're doing lots of walking I drink it now and it makes a difference um, I so if you go to drink element so it's D drink the word drink drink and then lmnt.com forward slash well fed you can get a free sample pack and they'll send you eight different flavors so you can try it out and also just see what flavors you like so that when you order a box you know that you'll like it. I do I do have to say the citrus ones are the best. Um you'll just have to pay for shipping so I think it's like four or five dollars but get that free sample pack so you can test it out see if it works for you before you commit to buying a a box of it uh, again. That's drinklmnt.com dot com forward slash well fed. And if you want to buy more, um, use that link again, and then you can get three boxes. Buy three boxes, get one free, and it'll ship in like almost like a shoebox looking thing. So, hi Stephanie. Hi. Hey. Hey. How's how's it going, Harvard researcher? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's good. Okay, so technically I start tomorrow. Yeah. I think I can say that. We're recording a little bit in advance here. I'm starting tomorrow. Uh, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, so my job, I'm not sure if we've actually said this on the podcast. You Uh, talked about it briefly
0: because you were like, well, it's sort of academic. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the most academic (laughs) job. It's it's
1: academic, yes. I have a job doing research in business at the Harvard Business School. So... I'm really excited. Now, is it
0: like you're an assistant to somebody, a research assistant?
1: Uh, for the most part, yes. I think yes. It's not my official title, <laughs> but I am working for somebody on their research, which is great because I think this person is extremely admirable. I love what they're trying to do in the world. And to be honest with you, I'm really excited about having about being in in a role where I am using my skills to support someone. Like I just, I have really enjoyed my work here and I continue to enjoy my work with uh, Paleo for Women and Health to Empower and all of the podcasting that I did with my philosophy stuff. Like I've really enjoyed all of that, but it's been, it's very specific. I'm in the center, in the driver's seat Mm. Mm -hmm. role and I think it's going to be really interesting and exciting to step into one where I am, uh, you know, learning from somebody who's been in this field for a long time and and supporting them and, and trying to uh, bring their vision to light. So, yeah, I'm really excited.
0: Very cool. I yeah. feel you. I feel like sometimes driving the, your train for so long gets a little bit exhausting. And te- working with... Like in a community with a team and being led and not having to be the leader is very, very like just in, like relaxing <laughs> and also just yeah. li- it's yeah. fulfilling in a different way.
1: Right. And there are other kinds of stressors. There is stress in any kind of job or their potential for stress, depending on you know the role and the expectations and who you're working with. But it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a di- it's a different it's a different way of being and I'm really looking forward to it
0: mm-hmm, yeah as um as people may not, I don't know what people assume about me, but I love being in a supportive role, I love it, I don't mm-hmm. really want to be like decision-making stresses me out and I have to like make enough decisions. And I just love being like, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, like I love that, which is great. Cause I married somebody who's like, I'm going to tell everybody what to do, you know, but not like that. He's just really great at taking initiative. He's like, Oh, there's not a leader here. I'll I'll take care of it. I can do all the research. I'll do that. Like, so like when we did the race, you know, we, he and I talked about it and then he like takes it and runs with it. And I'm like, sure. Okay. Let me know how I can help you. (laughs) Um, and he's just great at, at taking initiative and that's like where his gift is is seeing where there's some deficiencies and making it efficient and like including people and actually empowering people so that they're encouraged and they can like fulfill their role and i love i love being on the opposite side of that <laughs> so mm. it's 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 a good balance to have both supportive roles and you know things that you are allowed to take initiative on and you are are championing in your life, I think. Um, So very cool. For our discussion, before we jump into questions, in our last episode, we were supposed to cover some fitness biohacky things. So I want to talk about, this is a question from Allie. She says, what are some good things to do to speed up recovery when you accidentally overdo it at the gym? which I feel like's kind of been my whole life. Like, well, especially the last year, I, I, I would do a workout and I'm like, I'm so sore. I can't do a workout today. So I end up only doing like two workouts a week because I just can't seem to nail the this is enough and this is you don't need to do any more or you're going to overdo it. So which I think some of that's normal, especially when you're getting back into it after time off or whatever, you're still learning yourself. I think for so many of us, and I, I'm pretty sure this is true of you, Stuff like most people, their mind is a lot stronger than their body. And so your mind can take you places and your body's like, oh, I don't, I'm not ready for that. And you that's where we push ourselves into injury and burnout and, you know, making causing shin splints and knee problems and all that stuff because we're not our brain wants to go faster and farther than our body is ready to. So. I think biohacking recovery is really important, but also I just also want to say, like, you've got to take a make sure you're not doing too much, um, too soon, too fast. So, what do you do, Steffi? Uh,
1: it's very most of, the vast majority of the time, I I never get sore. Huh. Uh, yeah, even if I work out really hard, um, I often don't get sore. I do get sore if I'm working a new muscle group, uh, which I did. Uh, this weekend twice. I uh, I went running again for the first oh, you time did. in several months. Yeah, I did. Um, it went well. I enjoyed it. It was just a beautiful morning. I thought I would go out for a, a light jog. And, um, <laughs> was jog. this
0: by yourself?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I, I run alone.
0: <laughs> like I was crossing my fingers <laughs> that you you went on some running date, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're that kind of person. I'm... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not working out with anybody. Definitely not a
1: first date. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So many things can go wrong when you're running. Yeah. I wouldn't want to risk it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. That's so funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but um, so I went for a run and then I did a certain kind of uh, squat that I haven't, whatever, in a long time. And I am carrying soreness. I enjoy it, honestly, but uh, it's very, very important for me to have good electrolyte balance. I know that magnesium is very important for muscle You know maintenance, but if I take too much magnesium, then I do get sore very easily, which I think is really interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, I have found my regular magnesium dosage that works for me, and I stick to that unless I go through a really stressful period or I'm having, you know, really tough time sleeping. Then I might take a little more. But it's very important for me to maintain electrolyte balance. I actually was hydrating with regular water today, but I ate a lot of protein, and protein is water demanding, so. Mm I I filled a bottle with an electrolyte thing, and that's what I'm drinking right now. Um, and yeah, I chill, take some time off. I like to dancing for me. Depending on the dance, can be a very low key form of exercise. So uh, I try to I might keep it low key for a day or two, or work a different muscle group. Um, yeah, if I feel my body being like, then I don't do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to quote me on that. Next yeah. That's, that's your quote. Right. Uh, yeah, we'll use it in that little audio clip you do for the, you know. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> perfect. perfect done. Um I think there are a lot of fitness biohacking things you can do. There that's, this is essentially what Olympic athletes do and fit, uh, football players do. Everybody's trying to figure out ways to improve their Recovery. I mean, that's what a lot of doping is, right? It's improving oxygen in your blood and basically reducing the time that it takes you to recover and make gains. So legal ways to do this is uh, red light therapy for one. So that actually improves muscle recovery and um, shortens healing time. So if you have something that's particularly sore or you have strained, do some red light therapy on it. Ice water baths. This is a hack, man. This is what people do, especially athletes who are doing the same modality over and over and over again, like running. So a lot of runners, and you'll even just see this in like athletic training rooms at colleges and universities. There will be big tubs in which you can do an ice water bath. And it's also helpful to do that as part of injury recovery. But jump in some ice water, man. That's what you should do. If you're doing like long runs, that's what a lot of people do. So if, you, if you're if you really struggling with like leg soreness or something, you can do that. Compression gear. It's another running thing. <laughs> compression. I'm sure y'all have seen those compression socks that go all the way, runners wear that go all the way up to the kneecap. Or just calf sleeves that don't actually, that aren't actually a sock. There's also compression tights. Uh, Compression tops. So, compression actually improves blood flow to the area and that can improve recovery and soreness and all that stuff. So, you can actually wear compression gear while you're doing your exercise, but you can also wear it afterwards for improved recovery. So, I've been having this weird knee thing going on. I did too much, too soon, too fast. And I now am wearing a compressive knee sleeve. When I work out and I actually don't have any pain when I'm wearing it um, and I did lighten my load, it's gotten better, but now just as like a preventative, I wear it when I'm because it's a cycling is just hard on your knees. So again, it's that repetition. Brand's chain amino acids. So this is a supplement, leucine, isoleucine and valine. They are the building blocks for protein and muscle and can reduce soreness. Take that post-workout and then the normal stuff, get good sleep got to prioritize sleep, eat a lot of protein. And then if it feels better, you can do active recovery. So that would be things like walking, swimming, in between workouts to help promote blood flow. And of course, you know, rolling out and stretching. Now, rolling out is not necessary. Like a lot of people are like mobility work, get on a foam roller. It's, it, it's short-term mobility work. So foam roller is really, really great at working opening things up, getting your body moving again so that you can have proper form and proper function. But it's short term. So you do it right before. I mean, you can do it like sometimes I use it as a a massage tool to loosen up maybe like a tight knot or something underneath my arm, you know, back area where like, I don't know, you can get a lot lot of tight, weird knots. But If you're going to be using it for mobility, you need to do it like 15 to 30 minutes before you're going to do your workout so that you have proper form and you're doing your exercises. You're using that improved mobility right away to perform your exercises. Um, And that's it. Anything else from you? Nope. Okay. So quick heads up. If you are a huge fan of magnesium and magnesium breakthrough like I am by optimizers black Friday deals start now. And not only are they giving you a huge discount all month long. So throughout November, they're also giving away over $200 worth in free gifts. This is exclusive to my community and the podcast community. So listen up and then also use our link to get those deals. You can maybe just mark it down on your calendar to check this month or Black Friday to go to magbreakthrough.com slash fed. That's where all the the extra deals are going to be this month. So if you want to stock up, I highly recommend it. That's what I'm going to be doing. If you are feeling stressed out or you haven't been sleeping well lately, you are not alone. I am right there with you. You might not be able to change all the chaos out there, but you can absolutely start supplementing with one of the key nutrients to help improve your sleep quality, as well as over 600 other biochemical reactions in your body. Magnesium Breakthrough is one of the only products I've found that has all the magnesiums that I want in one convenient pill. You'll use less supplements, you'll spend less money and you'll still get all the top forms of magnesium. There's seven in magnesium breakthrough for stress and better sleep. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic or they're not full spectrum. And when you get all seven critical forms, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your brain to your sleep, pain and inflammation and less stress, which has absolutely been my experience. Right now for the entire month of November, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, so Bioptimizers. I've interviewed Wade, who is uh, the founder of Bioptimizers. They're having a Black Friday, Cyber Monday blowout sale. And Magnesium Breakthrough is the product that they're <laughs> they're doing a big blowout sale on, which is great for me because that's what I we blow through every month. So all month long, you'll get 10% off with my unique code plus access. And that code is WELLFED10. Plus access to over $200 in free gifts. Like you can sample a lot of the products. They have free gifts, books, and stuff like that for you to choose with your purchase. So this is the best time to stock up and take advantage. I've been really recommending this product for quite some time over the years. Um, I've never seen discounts like this that they have this month. Not to mention the all the bonus gifts. And you can sample and try out other supplements, which I think is, is really helpful. I love a good sample. <laughs> I love a good free gift. You can only get this exclusive deal with my link, Mag Breakthrough. So dot com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed10 to get your discount and all your free gifts. And by the way, if you try something and you don't like it or it doesn't work for you, you can get a full refund for up to one year after you purchase, no questions asked. That's what I love about optimizers and just reputable companies. They stand behind their product, even if it doesn't work for you or something's wrong and it just, is not a good fit. So don't worry about it. MagBreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed. So let's jump into questions. This question number one is from the voice of the people. Do you want to complain about calorie counts on nutrition labels someday? LOL.
1: <laughs> I crack myself up. The voice you, of the people is me, everybody. You it's crack me. crack me
0: up too. It, you actually responded to my Instagram. Hey, ask us anything. And so I was like, oh, mm-hmm. the vo- there's the voice of the people. We haven't heard from them in so long. Yeah, so, so long.
1: So um, I've actually been wanting to talk about this on the podcast uh, for several months now because I came back from the UK and was just really – the word I used was culture-shocked, which is you know, funny because this is my culture, but being away for so long from the way we do nutrition labels here <laughs> – In the UK, like a nutrition label looks like they used to look here. But now we have this weird thing where the calorie number is really big. Like It's really big. And I don't know if that's required by law, but it's really big. And in restaurants, it's required by law that they list calories. And Mm. I spend so much energy trying not to look. I literally put my hand over it. And unfortunately, the number is so big, it's impossible to ignore, like impossible. But I managed to save myself from the information by not looking at the serving size, because if I don't know what the serving size is, then it like, it, it, then you just don't know, right? And then you don't know. And it's not to say that like having a general sense, like I do, I talk about this in my, um, you know, weight loss unlocked program that, uh, have for me having a general sense is okay like a ballpark you know but once i start if i start dialing in on the details of how many calories i'm eating i can that's just a recipe for disaster i don't even like knowing the ballpark i really 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 don't um and and that's just me but the thing that i think is really worth talking about with respect to all of this is that for one thing I, i mean it it can really trip us up if we're getting obsessive over calories and for another thing here's my question to what degree is that intentional on behalf of companies that fill our food with low quality ingredients but mm-hmm. want to distract us from that by making us focus on the quantity of food we're eating as opposed to the quality okay maybe maybe nobody's doing it intentionally to try to like hurt us you know <laughs> but uh, but it is i think quite harmful and Really, yeah, like quite harmful to us as individuals and as a society because we keep ignoring the stuff we're putting our body to focus on the amount of it, and that's just that's just wrong. (laughs) It's just like to me, like it's just fundamentally wrong, and it really you know, it really messes with me. And so I just thought mm. I would mention it on the podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when I saw the your message, I was like, yeah, like, w- what about it? And it's I guess it's because it's so quickly. I mean, it happened. But like you, I don't necessarily look at labels. And it wasn't until recently that I walked into a fast and it wasn't recently, but we were traveling and you, you know, you you stop and go to the bathroom at fast food chains. And I was like astounded that there were like huge calorie counts on all of these individual items at, on, at fast food chains. And I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, that's good. There should be. But take a step back and realize like are people walking into fast food chains thinking, man, I wish I knew the calorie count on this. That would help me make better decisions. Is that, is that the education that's really helping people? Because it just, it seems like we're, it's all it's doing is get us getting us more focused. And this is why initially I was like, oh, please, come on. It gets us more focused on calories, 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 count calories, keep reducing those calories, keep cutting them. And like you said, Steph, just completely getting us away from quality. Now, I looked it up. It was something launched in 2016 as part of the Let's Move Child Obesity Campaign. Nutrition labels on the food you buy will soon have calorie counts listed bigger, bolder, and include new information about added sugars, vitamins, and serving sizes. So that was something that happened in 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 2016-ish. Probably, I think they gave people two years... Food companies about two years to it to create this new packaging. So more so it was probably put in place and we started to see it in 2018, 2019 for smaller food companies. And I guess I never really thought about it um, coming from, you know, again, a culture shock coming from the UK. And it is super frustrating because you know, a lot of these obesity campaigns just keep us so focused. I mean, what do we want? We want kids now counting calories. Like, come on. I think, I think general food education is really important and we need to be talking about, but not calories. Like, why, why are we even talking about calories? Let's talk about food quality and how food helps us feel and move and learning in like bodily intuition about what do you need right now and what is your body, you know, how is your body responding to the certain foods that you eat? And here's how these nutrients make a huge difference in how your body operates. And here are the foods that have those nutrients and how can we make them, you know, taste really good and make you feel really good at the same time and, and why, you know, quality is so important and and how that can make a have a huge impact on satiety and how hungry you are, you know, now and in the future and all of the things. And so an insulin sensitivity and inflammation and how your body uses the calories that you're actually taking in. And so maybe that's too complicated. Guess what? Bodies are complicated. It shouldn't be complicated. And we're oversimplifying it when we're saying, oh, let's let's move obesity campaign. Let's make those those calorie counts bigger. So we get everybody really focused more on calories. And it is uh, it's I hadn't thought about it being a like a triggering thing um, for you. But as when you mentioned it, I did kind of notice the other thing that really bothers me in serving sizes are so whack and it, it actually gets to me sometimes because I'm sitting there happily eating my whatever crackers or chips or something. Let's say I have some siete tortilla chips. And it's this is not a dig on siete. This is what siete is required to do by the FDA. But, you know, and you see the serving size and you're like eight chips like <laughs> or whatever, 10 chips. And you're like, oh, should I stop now? <laughs> like, And so it just these serving sizes are so bogus. And that's why I have a hard time with my recipes because people are like, well, what's the serving size? And I'm like, well, uh, so a serving according to like what you would see on packaging would be literally like three bites of this at 110 calories. But like a serving size for like a normal human, you're probably going to feed about four people or three people or two people if you have a husband like mine who needs to eat a ton. So, I try to say, like this serves how many, as opposed to like, I don't know, I like roughly, you're gonna serve three to five people as opposed to being like, there are twelve serving sizes in this, and you're gonna need about three serving sizes for a dinner for if you you know that that'll be about three hundred calories. like I just it's it's not effective. So anyway, I appreciate you bringing that
1: up, yeah.
0: Yeah. So are you kind of like covering it up? Is that what you said when you're trying? Yep. To-
1: yep. I like I just I try to not look. And of course, I, I do. You know, it's impossible not to see it. I go to Starbucks a lot, <laughs> you know, and it's there. Yeah, they and do
0: have calorie counts there, too.
1: Mm-hmm. I try I try not to look, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's there, you know, uh, and it does feel prohibitive. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's that's the intent which is just, right. you know, interesting.
0: And let's be honest. So when we get calorie counts of things, they can be up to 20% inaccurate. Mm. So even what you're seeing is not accurate. Yeah, That's according to the FDA, it can be a plus or minus 20% inaccurate.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And your body doesn't absorb all the calories you eat. Like that's a huge thing. So anyway, Question number two is, uh, can we talk about breastfeeding and sex? I have zero interest, nine months postpartum. Don't know if she wants, I said, do you want me to keep your name anonymous? So I'm just going to say question number two is from the other voice of the people, um, the voice of the breastfeeding moms. So we can, this I'll be very brief. I think uh, I just want you to know that you are not alone. And that is normal because breastfeeding is draining AF and it drains your energy and Interestingly enough, like when you're so, if you were to look at a like, if you just look at hormones after pregnancy and you have all these, you know, hormones pumping and you're feeling good and your hair is nice and soft and gorgeous, and then you have your baby, your hormones look like, I mean, they completely fall off a cliff and you are down in the valley and it is dark and it's cold and it is really dry. And that is what happens after you have a baby. And if you're still breast, if you're breastfeeding, and at nine months, most women, you know, up to about a year postpartum, if they're breastfeeding, they're not going to be getting their period back. So your estrogen's going to be low. Your progesterone's probably going to be a little low thanks to stress. And like those hormones are really what help us have a libido and us like that gives us interest in life in general. So... <laughs> If you're not getting your period. So for a lot of women, you will find that your libido spikes before you ovulate. And that's thanks to estrogen. This is why we feel so good and we can have good, hard, harder workouts and our skin's looking good and we're ready for all the sex during ovulation. That's, it's biological. It's the point, right? That's, that's when we procreate. We, where, when you release the egg, it needs, it needs a partner to create a baby. So if you're still breastfeeding, at nine months postpartum, let's say you haven't gotten your period back, totally normal not to have a libido because your hormones are still offline. And and also, it's just really stressful. Like, there's a lot of, you're not getting um, sufficient sleep. And I find that when I don't, I mean, who really wants to do anything when you're not, when you're underslept? I mean, I don't want to do anything, especially not after you put the kids down. I'm like, I'm going to bed. So I definitely struggled, I think, postpartum in the first i've talked about this on a couple different postpartum interview questions but i had two unmedicated vaginal births the first one um i had a lot of and i had a i had a second degree tear on both of them so i just had to have some stitches down there and i had pretty painful intercourse up until like nine months um and i we just It was just tension. Your pelvic floor is really tight. That scar tissue gets really tight. And it wasn't even enjoyable. I mean, it just, it's not, it's not fun. So I kind of, second time around, it was a lot better. Like I didn't have that same tightness and scar tissue, but it just, it takes time to get used to it again and to feel comfortable again. It's just like a lot has happened down there and it can be really like, that can make you really closed off too and just not interested. So... The other thing I think is really important to note is that the nipples play a really important role in sex. Like for me in particular, for most women, like it's I think it's a really important part of um like warming things up and getting you ready to go. And if you have a baby on your boob, like chewing on you and you're struggling with mastitis and you're getting like nipple blisters and or you're just like you know, sometimes you're sore because your baby just did like they get teeth and then that that plays into it. It's not enjoyable because now your boobs are just sore. So like that doesn't make you feel sexy and you don't get to bring that into the bedroom and you're like, please don't touch my boobs. Like it just it's not it's harder to get warmed up. So all of it's normal. Just take your time Um, and like Go slow and express that to your partner so that, like, you can go slow together. Um Anything else from you, Steph? Although I'm sure you're not
1: going to touch that. No, <laughs> I'm so proud of and excited for you for uh, talking about that. Um, I absolutely, I agree. Like, communicating yeah. is is the thing. And I will say also about sex stuff generally, like, being physically intimate and present with somebody is a huge Like a huge sphere of things you can do, right? Like there's so much and you can experience pleasure together without doing certain things, right? Without
0: actual, yes, penetration, which could be very painful. I don't get why people don't understand that. Like, I mean... I guess people do understand it, and I guess men sometimes are one-way thinkers, and so that's why women sometimes are like, oh, well, that's what we have to do. Like, you can do so many different things, which we did postpartum when I was especially experiencing pain. Like, if he knows I'm in pain, he's not going to want to do that. Like, he's not going to want to force that on me, and if you have a man who wants to do that, that's a bigger problem. So, like, you have to... there's there's other ways that we engage with regularly Uh, sorry mom hopefully nobody is listening from my family but like you have we regularly engage with other ways that are faster and just like easier and also more pleasurable especially when you're not feeling it in like especially in that postpartum phase where you're you're feeling pain and just not sure just just weird things are weird down there so
1: yeah 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 and you know and i'm talking we're talking about penetration but also like any kind of sexual stuff or like you were talking about nipples being whatever, like there is so much you can do just, you know, get a little creative and that can be really fun too. And a really great exercise in intimacy is talking about like what might be good for me, what might be fun for us. That's just like massages or, you know, mm-hmm. candles. like, you know what I mean? Like there's so much that you can do to create these atmospheres of intimacy and to keep that romantic sexual vibe alive, even if there were, you know, certain activities that you're just not doing. So, Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, Yeah. totally normal. Question number three is from Kathleen. She says non-negotiable food choices versus where you choose to, in quotations, relax or splurge, especially with kids.
1: Yeah. So I'll um, not talk about the children thing, but I will say in terms of what's non-negotiable and what's a choice uh, we all have to decide for ourselves what's negotiable or, or what isn't. And that varies a lot at different times in life. And sometimes I'll say something isn't negotiable and then I'll be like, well, maybe not. And then I'll be up, then I'll, then maybe I'll be a little bit sorry. (laughs) You know, like, like one of my rules for me is no protein right before bed, uh, because I think it, it disrupts my sleep. And, Every once in a while, I'll have something that I like that's protein that I really like in the fridge and I'll like have it before bed and then I'll get five hours of sleep. And it's like, well, there you go. Like, you know, (laughs) like so. so pick your non-negotiables based on what's good for you. And then the reason they're non-negotiable is because you have decided unequivocally, unequivocally that like this is something that's really important to me. And that you can use whatever criteria you want. I suggest that ne- the non-negotiables be ones related to your health and how you physically feel, like period. Like if something gives me a headache, okay, here are some non-negotiables, mm-hmm. right? Like I do not consume soy sauce, period. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, period. And um, what else? Red wine. Never, Ugh, ever, gosh. ever, ever. Period. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I really wish I could be a red wine drinker, but I'm not. You know. Same. And and if something's gonna feel bad, it's on my list of like really bad or cause symptoms or worsen a health condition. Well, <laughs> I'm experimenting with coffee right now and and how it intersects. <laughs> interacts with my histamine tolerance, but I know that, you know, and and maybe someday it'll be a non-negotiable, but right now it's a negotiable. And, uh, yeah, I put things on that list that would make me feel really bad or worse in the long run. And then I avoid them because of that. And you might like consume things that feel bad for a while, but maybe, over time it would eventually become a very natural choice like it's a very natural thing for me i don't want a migraine i'm not drinking red wine mm-hmm. you know um and that's a choice and it doesn't feel like restriction to me i'm not telling myself i can't have it because you know x y and z reasons whenever we restrict our food for reasons that are like oh i shouldn't eat that because of the way i look or because of the way i feel guilty or yada 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 those are the kinds of things that turn around and bite us because we're denying ourselves something that we could otherwise like enjoy or or what have right and and we experience this like longing for it but i don't have longing for red wine because I, i period i don't right and so um when you make that choice for your well-being, it's not something that you're that you're longing for anymore. You might like wish a little bit, you know, would be great. I can't eat chocolate, you know. Uh, I can have a little bit here and there. So it's, you know, but uh, I, yeah, I wish I could. But what are you going to do? Like, I can't. Fine. Okay. Like, <laughs> I can't. Or I'm going to get a headache. And it's, that's like, that's okay. It's okay. Like, it, it is what it you is. You
0: are classic histamine.
1: Very classic. One time I had this horrible migraine and it took me a really long time to figure out why I got it. And, but I, the thing that I ate before that was cheese that I'd had in my fridge for a few weeks. Oh, wow. And, and then I did a really hard workout. And it's just so like, anyway, yeah, I'm very, very, very classic high histamine. And uh, again, I'm, I'm croaky because right before this, I consumed something that had histamine in it. And my whole life, I never understood why sometimes my throat, why my voice sounded like this and felt like this. Hmm. And now I know. Yeah, now I know. Um, so anyway, that's all the stuff. That's how I feel about non-negotiable stuff. Um, I really honestly, you know, I, I get—I often get pushback. People are like, oh, but don't you want, don't you this? I actually don't. And I, I don't feel resentful about it. I think a lot of people sometimes are like, man, and I hate that I can't have chocolate. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I don't know. Like, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> I have bigger fish to fry in my life, and I, I'm so enormously lucky that I can eat so many other things, right? Or I'm so lucky that I know that chocolate is the thing that causes me headaches, because I'd rather not get a headache. So I yeah. think, yeah. So anyway, those are some thoughts and feelings. You, I mean,
0: even as many times as we've described this on the podcast, you just so eloquently described or explained the difference mm-hmm. between, I I can't have something, or I shouldn't have that, or... and I'm choosing not to have that. And you said it, you said, like, I'm not longing for it. It's not like these are things that I choose not to eat, but I'm not longing for it. And I think we see that difference so clearly with people who have this alternate mindset, which is not what we, you know, which we're trying. We always try to encourage people not to go down that path of, well, I can't have this because it's going to make me. Fat, or I'm going to gain weight, you know, because those are the, mm-hmm. that's what our society has done is said gaining weight's bad. Here's this food's going to make you gain weight. And so we say, oh, I can't have that. I'm, it's, it's bad for me, or oh, I can't, I can't have that. I, you know, it's, it's on my no foods list. And so then that just turns people over to, can't have it. I can't have it. I just, you know, oh, I want it. And then it's like, you kind of become, you see people have this like sort of victim mentality of like, oh, I just, I, I'm not allowed to, or I can't, or, and then it, that, the power is given to that food. And that's all you think about. And eventually you are going to eat it and, and you're going to maybe feel sick from it or whatever, because maybe you do have a legitimate reason. Maybe it does legitimately make you feel sick or give you a headache or whatever. And the alternative to that is, I can have it at any time that I want. It's fine. I can have it. I'm just not going to feel good or I may get a headache or whatever. And that shift in mindset, while small, is huge. And if you build your foundation from that, it's life changing. So, you know, I used to have that alternate that off that mentality before of I can't have this. I can't have this. And you know, I elevated these foods that I don't even like, like almond butter and like Lara bars, dried fruit bars, because too high calories and, you know, peanut butter, too much cal- too many calories. And these things that like, I don't really even want to eat. But all of a sudden now I do because I'm telling myself I can't have them. So anyway, I thought that was beautifully said. Non-negotiables for me and things that, again, I don't have a longing for because I know they don't make me feel great is mostly things I I still don't really eat gluten. I haven't in a long time. I do eat cheese and dairy. So that's something I've intentionally tried to bring back in because I want my kids to have grass-fed cheese. And it's a really great source of protein because, as you know, with kids, it's just hard to you know, we do a meat option every night. Um, sometimes they're into it, sometimes they're not. They always, we always do eggs every morning. But cheese is good, and it's just a good source of protein. So uh, they are, they eat that, and sometimes I do too, just occasionally. And I can do. I'm pretty sure I can do yogurt. I've tried yogurt, and that's good with me too. So. 'm I, I like that I think that's good but I still have had some really bad experiences out uh in one in particular in Mexico where I was exposed to something pretty sure it was dare it was the I had some ice cream and it just threw me off horribly and I will not be doing that again and I don't really even I'm not longing for ice cream when I see it it's like cool I can have some. And I have my coconut milk ice cream that I have, and that tastes good. But again, I'm not, like, dying for the ice cream. It's just a, no, I'm not going to have it tonight. I think, are there any other non-negotiables? Yeah, I don't do vegetable oils. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. And, um, hmm, Honestly, I think that's it. Like, I'm not freaking out when I go out to eat about how something is cooked or is this certain oil used? Like, yeah, I don't use it in my own home. We don't eat out a lot. But like when I go out, it's going to be pretty chill. Now with the kids, my kids don't do gluten. I don't have it in the house. I'm not eating it. So why are they going to eat it? Hot tip. If you don't want your kids eating something, don't bring it in the house and don't eat it yourself. (laughs) It's a really easy solution. So you know, they eat exactly what we eat for snacks. They have Siete chips. They have some Simple Mills cookies sometimes at night for dessert. They have, you know, toast with some eggs. Same toast that I have. It's a food for life gluten-free bread. They have uh, dried, freeze-dried fruit. They have tons of fruit for lunch. They have cheese and the Simple Mills crackers and stuff like that. So I give them pretty much anything they want. If I'm eating Chips and Maverick rums up to me. His favorite thing to say is chip, chip, like that. And it's so cute. And I'm like, sure, buddy. Like, I'm never going to deny them food because I know what that can do. So I'm always like, yeah, dude, have some with me. Aren't these good? You know, even if he hasn't, it's like he's sh- about to eat lunch or whatever. I'm not going to say it's going to ruin your lunch. Like, it's just part of lunch. And I do intentionally give my kids a lollipop. Like, when we go for walks, I'm like, let's grab a lollipop. Now, look, I'm getting the Yum Earth stuff because. That's what I want to bring in my own home. That's um, I want an organic lollipop. Some of them have a little bit of vitamin C in them and they're they're good. And it's like 10 calories or whatever. It's like it's so tiny. It's this tiny little lollipop, a few grams of sugar it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I want my kids to not be like, well, mom never let us have a lollipop and we never were allowed to have food snacks. And when I went to preschool, everybody else had pretzels and I never ha- I never was allowed to have them because guess what? That's exactly how I was raised and I don't want that for my kids. I don't want them to have to feel like they're never allowed to have candy and everybody else is having these n- things and lives a normal life and they're the weirdos. To me, I prioritize their mental health over everything. Now, yeah, I'm going to control everything in my house and I'm going to serve them and give them what I'm eating. But when they're outside of the home, if they end up eating something, I send her with her own snack at preschool, but they're about to have some, you know, little party and they're going to make some crafts. And the teachers were kind enough to go get gluten free Oreos because at one point Stella was having a real bad skin reaction and I was thinking it was gluten. So I told the school, anyway. They went and got gluten free Oreos for us and she's going to make her little craft with some gluten free Oreos. And I'm just going to let her be a kid in the classroom. And it's it's totally fine. I don't want her being like, wow, all these kids get to do all these fun things. And I don't because my mom says I can't like that makes no sense. So. I control what we have in the house. We don't do gluten. If she eats gluten out, that's fine, but we don't do it in the house. And I actually kind of consider it to be some exposure because when you expose kids, you need to intentionally be exposing allergens to kids regularly just to make sure that they're not going to develop an allergy. So I'm kind of like, cool, have your gluten at preschool. That's your exposure. But it's I'm not I'm not I'm more I'm more focused on their mental health and the fact that I'm feeding them nourishing foods at home. And if they come across snacks or whatever outside of the home, that's fine. And like I said, I intentionally have treats for them. When we go for walks or the playground, they can pick some yummer earth fruit snacks or a lollipop. Um, Stella loves peanut butter cups that I have that are like this brand, I don't know. It's a soy free kind of brand, but I have them. So she has some, sometimes, and she loves it and she gets excited about it. And I love that. I want them to be children and to just enjoy all that there is to childhood. So, and not have them stressed out about their food. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Where are we at? No. Okay. <laughs> anything, anything else from you? Thoughts? No. Happy holiday. <laughs> what's the date now? Secret. Happy holidays. Yeah, this is actually our last episode before um before we break off for holiday, our holiday break. break. So we'll be back after Christmas. 2022. What do we have time for this last question? I can just be very quick.
1: Go for it.
0: Okay. So the last question is from Haley. She says, Thoughts on baby lead weeding, how you feed your kids. So just to kind of like obviously I touched on that a little bit. The last question. I love baby lead weeding. Baby led, I think it's cool. Um, And I did a rendition of this. So this is really my answer is do what works for you and make it find a couple things, find a couple ways of, you know, ideas about feeding your kid. And then it's OK to like figure, you know, push some piece something together in a way that works for you. So baby led weaning is skipping the spoon feeding purees and the cereals and letting babies feed themselves finger foods right from the start. So right when you start feeding your kids foods from four around age four to six months, they're feeding themselves. They are eating whole foods. It's not purees. It's not baby food that you would see in jars. So this helps with fine like motor skills. It helps with the development of hand-eye coordination. It helps with chewing. It helps with dexterity. And it helps with health, healthy eating habits. It gets your kids used to eating what you're eating, which we were so much more intentional with this with Maverick, and it made such a huge difference. And it can also help improve baby's ability to engage with a variety of foods and textures. So a lot of kids grow up with texture issues. They can't eat certain foods because of certain textures. And so with baby led weaning, you're getting your child used to text variety of textures, and they're able to actually manage it and understand it and what needs to be chewed and how to chew it and all that kind of stuff before eating and, and swallowing. So It can be a little scary for some people because kids will have a natural gag reflex and they're learning that and that's actually really healthy, but it can be scary. So I didn't do like the big, you're supposed to, things need to be sort of cut up into like finger shapes. So If you're going to do avocado, for example, you're not going to cut it into chunks because that chunk can get stuck in your child's throat very easily. What you're going to do is create very thin looking, almost like fingers And that's how you're going to cut your food so that your baby can pick it up, take a small bite, and it's going to be small and they can mash on it, you know, and learn how to eat it. It can be frustrating, too, in the beginning because your kid's not actually eating much. They're doing a lot of playing, but that's okay because that will pass, believe me, and your kid will be up and eating in no time. With my kids, I did a a version of that. My kids still eat what we eat. My kids still, you know, I serve them what we're eating at dinner. I have a skeptical Stella. She doesn't really like mushrooms or onions or basically anything. And so she will eat. She will eat. She'll end up eating. But she's always skeptical of anything we put in front of her. Maverick is not skeptical, and he will pretty much eat anything. And he loves trying new things. And we were pretty from the get go with him, you know, feeding him that way. Now, I did mash up some things, because I first foods for my kids were some liverwurst and ground beef. And so I would mash that up to get it to a better texture with maybe a little bit of avocado. And I would put it on my finger, or I would kind of like, I would occasionally spoon feed. But from the get go, my kids have been pretty much feeding themselves, picking up their own food. I'm not forcing them i'm not shoving a, f- a spoon in their face saying, you need to eat you need to eat you need to eat i'm letting them engage with the food i'm letting them eat and i'm letting them learn a lot of variety of foods it's interesting because before i became a parent i thought you had to like make baby food and you had to go buy jars of baby food and then i was like oh your kids can just like eat your food and like eat some avocado and eat some liverwurst and just like little things Um, and that was really cool. And I, I really enjoyed that experience. So I do have a blog post all about first foods for baby, where I do talk a little bit about that and I can link to that in the show notes, but we did not do, I will say I I didn't do any dried cereal. I didn't do any cereals or oats in bottles. That's not necessary. You just feed your baby some milk and then feed them some food and feed them some water alongside of the food. And it's, it's great. Um, anything else from you, Stephanie?
1: No, that's really cool. I really like, you know, just, you know, not having to make baby food. I yeah. Think I think it's very cool. I like it, too. For
0: some reason, I thought it. that that was like something you had to do and you had to go get jars of baby food when you had babies. And it's just not, again, consumerism, consumer, consumerism. Yes, that's the yeah. word. Um, our world. Yeah, it's like, here's a product to help you feed your baby. It's like, well, actually you don't have to go spend two bucks on a little jar of food. Like you can just cut up an avocado. <laughs> or like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. my kids were eating pretty soft egg yolks very, very young. So, um, and that's like oof, nature's multivitamin right there. How how many times have we said that on in over three hundred and fifty four episodes? Um <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> We are recording Merry this quite Christmas. quite early, so we're not quite there yet, but. Um, <laughs> happy Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> and happy Thanksgiving and all the things. <laughs> it's a good season. Okay, yeah. um, okay, well, when we come back in 2022, we'll be learning about Steph's new job. So stay tuned, folks. It's going to be exciting. And yeah, we'll talk to you then. Exciting. Talk to you next year. Yeah. But I am going to have some really good. Don't don't stop listening because I am going to have some really good renewed episodes, things ep- basically mm. the most popular, the, my favorite episodes, things that I need. I actually want to re-listen to. So um, I got some good ones coming. If you haven't been, you know, if you're like, I don't want to go back and look at all your 354 episodes to find the good ones. I'll just renew them in the next upcoming week. So they should be good. Nice. All right. Love you. Love you, mean it. For more from me, you can go to coconutsandcattleballs. Steph is health dot com. Thanks so much for being here. Happy holidays. We will talk to you next week.